0: Hello and welcome to the Compatible You podcast, where we speak weekly about all things women's health and body image in an attempt to break the stigma of what makes us us. I think we can pretty much all agree that there is some fairly toxic content going around on social media. You know, it's riddled with diet culture and, you know, body fixation, body shame inducing stuff. So when I find people who are totally going against that norm, it's like a breath of fresh air. And that is definitely how I felt when I found my guest today. So my guest today is Stella from Mental Health with Stella. And I'm so excited to bring her on so we can discuss some areas such as debunking a bit of diet culture, Um, looking into body shame and how we can positively talk to ourselves as well as improving our relationships with our body. As always when we talk about um, body image um, some of the topics that can stem from that may be a bit triggering for some people so just wanted to highlight that before we jump into that. So yeah I would love for you Stella welcome and I'd love for you to just yeah introduce yourself to my listeners and what your role in relation to body image is.
1: Hello Emma, thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, As you said, my name is Stella and um, I wear a few sort of different hats. So the main thing that I do at the moment is run a mental health training organisation and the main thing that I offer through that is mental health first aid training. So it's not so like specific on eating disorders or body image. We do cover that a bit but it's sort of more broader picture mental health so that's kind of like the main thing that I do um, so I go out to schools I speak to students teachers I go to corporate environments workplaces disability and community sector pretty much anyone and everyone that wants to learn about mental health I will go um, so that's sort of the main thing that I do and then I also wear two other hats so I'm a facilitator with the which is a youth mental health organization um, very sort of similar thing to I guess like services, like Headspace, where they go out into schools and speak to students. So that's pretty much like what Batir does, but we take a very like early intervention prevention approach, educating young people about warning signs and how to help a maid and things like that. And then the third little hat that I wear is, um, I am a presenter at the Butterfly Foundation. So a school presenter, and that's been actually quite recent. So only this year. Uh, and that's sort of where this whole body image, eating disorder passion really comes to life um, because I get to go out to high schools and speak about what is body image and how, do we, how does the society that we live in create a positive or a negative body image? What can we do about it? How do we pick up on eating disorder signs in ourselves or in our mates? So a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I do is very on that education awareness side of things. Um, so they're kind of the three things that I do. And then every now and then on the side, I also do Zoom for instructing. So very, very sort of busy stuff going on at yeah. the moment, but it's all to do with like mental health and empowerment and things like that.
0: I love all the different hats. It's like, what, hat are we going to put on today? I love it. <laughs> I love that you're focusing on, yeah, preventative measures when it comes to mental health instead of, I guess, a lot of the time we kind of, I guess, see mental health in ourselves or others kind of when it's a bit too late or getting towards that too late stage. So that is awesome. Um, What kind of inspired you to get into that? Um, was it like personal experiences or just general interest in it?
1: Yeah, into like mental health or more specific like the body image stuff?
0: Uh, I'll start with mental health because I think that's real, especially these days um social media that we're being presented with um struggles resilience building and stuff like that so maybe we'll start with mental health and then we'll dive into the body image area. Yeah easy
1: so my passion for mental health really started in 2015 when I was in year 12 um it was sort of building up before that mainly because there were quite a few people in my life at the time who were struggling with their mental health so and there were three particular people in my mind um all of which were they were all males um and that was you know coincidental but I think it it, it also opened up my eyes to the stigma around men's mental health too so that as well as body image and eating disorders I do also have this secret passion for men's mental health as well because I feel like it's not spoken up um it's not spoken about as much but um yeah so I had some people in my life that were really struggling with quite severe bouts of mental illness um there was somebody in my life at the time who was um suicidal and that was really tricky to sort of deal with as a I think it was like 15 or 16
0: Um, to be like navigating that kind of, you know, I guess sometimes something you think of when adults have to deal with, like kids don't deal with that, but the reality is, yeah. Yeah.
1: A hundred percent. And like at that time I had no idea what to do. It was the very first time in my life that I actually went and saw a a counselor because I wanted to get some information from them about how to actually support this person. Um, so I think having a lot of those experiences around that time um, prompted me to then take an opportunity with my local headspace center that had just opened up in the area and they were recruiting for volunteers for their youth reference group. And I thought, hey, this might actually be an opportunity to make a difference so that hopefully other people wouldn't need to go through what these people in my life did. Um, So it literally just started as like this really naive, not knowing what to expect, like, yeah, I'll go along to a meeting every month and we'll plan one event during the year and then that's sort of it. I'll be done for the year. And then it just absolutely exploded from there. Like I, I was enjoying, like particularly moving into my first year of uni, I was enjoying volunteering. So I was going out to like, Events on the weekend, school presentations, and things like that, and talking about mental health, talking about headspace, and I was enjoying that so much more than uni, paid work, like anything like that. And I think that was a really huge light bulb moment for me, where I was like, "This could actually be a career."
0: Yeah, um, that's amazing. So I just feel like
1: at school, like you just you don't get taught what you could do, like you study psychology, you'd be a psychologist, you study law, you'd be a lawyer. Like, I don't think there's a great awareness of I had no idea that what I'm doing now was actually a thing that no, I could do. It's kind do. of
0: like mm-hmm. you fall into this pattern of like you have to go through every stage. And if you don't, you're not going to be successful because you don't get that big job. You don't get paid. But I guess in the reality, you kind of speak to most, not most, that's kind of general, but you speak to a lot of, especially in my experience, people with those jobs, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like they mm-hmm. do kind of lack some freedom. They didn't know that they could do other stuff. So, yeah, 100%.
1: Yeah, and it's just weird. we're not aware of that. So it wasn't until, like, I actually started volunteering and then from there it literally grew because that's where I found out about Batir. because one of the one of the people in my life that actually inspired me to want to do something in this space became a lived experience speaker at Batir, and that's how I found out about it and that's what got me into that and then it all just kind of, It just has not stopped growing since 2015. But definitely like the root cause of it was the lived experience of those around me and me really not knowing what to do, how to help
0: people around me that I loved. That speaks a lot of yourself because I think a lot of the time people get caught up in stuff they need to do for money, but for you to just volunteering your time and then building something out of it, I think that's incredible. Um, how have the individuals who had that lived experience they inspired you? How did they respond to what you've done now? Like, did they kind of know that they were kind of center, like pivotal in that direction of your life?
1: Um, one of them. I'm not sure because we actually don't speak anymore. Um, So that, yeah, we haven't really spoken since 2014, I want to say. But the other two who are very, very close to me, I think, yeah, 100% they are aware, especially the one that's now a speaker at so that's my cousin. Um, I actually wrote a blog about him on the website around... Pretty much, yeah, he, so he he had a lived experience with psychosis, acute onset psychosis, and I wrote a blog about his experience and um, it was actually really nice. Like when I showed him the blog, he actually got really teary and started crying because I think he does know that, you know, that, there is a reason why I'm doing Even though the reason has evolved, but yep. the, the root kind of starting point, he was one of those reasons. And I think, yeah, he definitely does know that. Um, and similarly with the other person as well
0: amazing because I think definitely um, I guess with my own mental health experiences I guess mental health kind of wants you to feel alone and that you don't have anyone so the fact that I guess you were kind of that person for him that like you obviously cared so much and like did want to help him and help others especially in your predicament I think yeah that's a huge step to I guess bringing that shame out against mental health
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I think when the more people that I speak to that are doing similar things to me or that are working in this mental health field, most, again, I don't want to generalize, but I would say like 99% of us that are doing something like this are here because we know someone or we are the person that has struggled and we want to make A change we want to make. I know it sounds really cliche, but we want to make the world a better place for those that are struggling, so that they don't have to go through what we went through or what our loved ones went
0: through. Exactly. I'm you kind of think back to that time where you were like helpless, like how do I help these people around me? Like I don't want the worst case scenario to happen. So you don't ever want people to be in that predicament. So definitely a huge thing we need to talk about more and get out there. So I'm glad we're able to do this and the work that you're doing as well is absolutely incredible.
1: Thank you. Emma.
0: Um, So I guess moving on from, um, I mean, it's still in the realm of mental health, but towards body image, I guess um, if you're comfortable, would you mind kind of talking about your experience with body shame and how you see yourself, your relationship with your body?
1: Yeah. Love that question because I feel like it's ever changing (laughs) and ever fluctuating, but pretty much my own experience with anxiety and my own experience with sort of body image issues. um, Sorry, my experience with mental health issues was very closely linked with sort of body image and then progressively anxiety. Um, And apart from when I, when I went to the school counselor back in high school to help my friend, the first time I actually went and sought professional help for myself was because of, body image issues um, so at the time it was maybe oh, first or second year uni so like 2016 I think it was uh, 2017 probably more so um, I was really really struggling with I wouldn't say an eating just dis- it wasn't an eating disorder although looking back now there probably were some little signs here and there that if my behavior had continued I probably could have fallen down yeah, and spiraled into that sort of rabbit hole. Um, so I'm actually, and I spoke about it at a school, that at that point seeking professional help was probably the most profound act of self-care I ever did because I think that's what got me back on track again. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely struggled at that time, I think, because at that time as well I was in a bit of a different place in terms of, you know, I was going to the gym like five days a week, sometimes even weekends. Like I was eating well. Um, but I think my journey with body image and things like that and like disordered eating has obviously been a long term one. But even now, to some extent, there are some instances where, you know, like you feel yourself starting to slip down a bit and you're like, nope, come on. Exactly you on like, so like,
0: no, we're not doing it. We are not going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, like so I spent like so so many years, like even small small little things like before a party, feeling quite anxious about the way that I would look, um, the way that other people would evaluate the way that I looked and I just like I wouldn't eat for a whole day before a, a party sort of a thing. Um, so I noticed like looking back, behaviours like that, were real indicators back then that I wasn't in a good headspace with regards to my body image. And at the time, 100% social media was bringing me down at that time. Yeah. And it was one of those things that when I went and saw, I went to a headspace centre and saw a psychologist there, and one of the first things she got me to do for homework was to literally... In between our, our sessions, to go through my Instagram and unfollow people that made me feel crap.
0: Amazing, I,
1: yeah. <laughs> half of my followers gone.
0: Yeah, we absolutely talked about this wild. just before before we started recording. Yes, yeah. Like it's just it is
1: absolutely wild the the, the difference it can make when you just call people that and hey, some of those people were. Maybe even, you know, people from school, people that I knew, but I was like, you know what? Like, I don't need to follow you. like you're my friend in real life. Or if I see you in the street, I'll say hello, but I don't I really don't need to follow you and see your boobs every day. Like
0: I don't you know, know what I mean. Like, think, yeah. Yes. Yeah,
1: like not really serving me, like to look to see your life, to see your body, to see your this new bag you get every day. Like I'm just not interested. So that was a huge step and then after i had done that the next thing that she got me to do was to then actually seek out and follow pages that made me feel empowered that made me feel good Um, so for a while most of my feed was literally just animal pages and mental health quotes like that was literally it um but even now i'm still in that process of culling my feed following like for example following you when I found your page I was like yes somebody else is actually giving a shit about stuff that we should be caring about yeah 100% Um, yes yeah so that's sort of where it all started
0: yeah Yeah. I think oh god I could go down so many tangents with everything you just said there there's so many good points (laughs) um but I think yeah definitely what strikes to me is just how profound it was that you reached out for help. I guess, I think a lot of the time people don't think they're sick enough. They don't, you know, there's always people sicker than them. Um, people have kind of, I guess, reiterated their behavior. So there's nothing wrong with them as such. Um, so I guess, how did you reach out for help? And I guess like, how did you feel during it? Because I remember when I specifically reached out for help, I was like, cry like hyperventilating waiting to go and speak to that person so can you tell me about that
1: yeah so I think my experience was unique because I think because I've been volunteering at headspace and because I had that lived experience in the people around me for me seeking help how do I explain it to me it was kind of just like okay I'm just going to see the gp I think I had that sort of mindset only because I had been volunteering and actually doing work in that space. But I I can definitely imagine that if I had it, I would have been terrified. And in, in saying that, even like going to the first appointment, I was still shitting myself because yeah. like, yeah, you you're, you're like, yeah, it's okay to speak to someone. But then when you actually realize, oh, my gosh, for the next hour, I'm going to bring up everything that has been paining and troubling me for years. So it's a lot of sort of, um, it's a lot of stuff to to carry. And even now, so I still see, it's a different psychologist now, but I still have regular appointments with my psychologist and I'm so comfortable with her. I absolutely love her to death, but every single time before I... I'm about to see her, I feel so sick and anxious because yeah. I think it's just, yeah. it's just like, and, and, and you would know this, Emma, it's like the anticipation of, okay, I'm about to bring up all this crap that's been on my mind for two, three weeks. It's going to make me cry. It's going to make me uncomfortable. So I think it's gonna make really, it really...
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, we're going to spend an hour debriefing and pulling it apart and analysing it and... Um, yeah and we're not used to doing that yeah. in our everyday life
0: that face like we're all good this is my highlight reel where everything's fine when really like your world's just come crashing down around you 100% yeah. and I think that's yeah. yeah I think I did like three nervous peas before I like spoke to my person for the first time I was like now nah, I'm gonna go to the toilet no nah, oh, I've got to go to the toilet like but yeah. it's it's that like I guess when it when I think about it it's like you've kind of kept it in your head no one else kind of knows really what's going on and then the I guess someone I think it's more someone's giving you permission to speak and like to like make real your struggles and I think like is like liberating as that sounds like oh I can talk about it. it's going to be great you still got that negative mindset like no like you can't tell these people they're going to think you're crazy maybe it's not real maybe you really just need to get over it kind of thing
1: yeah yeah and I think it was like at the time I do remember it being even though it was something that I knew I needed to do because again I had that background with headspace and I was like I don't want this to get any worse so I was in that mindset but at the same time I hadn't told anybody not my mum who I was, who I still am super close with hadn't told my partner at the time my best friend like no one really knew exactly what was going on so I did kind of feel a bit like alone in the sense that even afterwards there was no one that I could have, but not that I couldn't, I could have, but it was like, there was no one that I did go to afterwards and say, oh, so I just had my first session and like, this is how I felt. I felt quite sort of isolated in my experience. Yeah. Um, But I guess that was by choice because, I mean, I could have told my friend. I could have told my mom. But at the time, it was just something where I was like. so much easier said than done. Yeah. 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 And then it's like, well, who do I tell and how many people and are they going to understand and are they going to judge me? And all that stuff just runs through your mind. Um, But I think once you then actually, when you find the right person, when you click with them and you just, it's, yes, it's nerve-wracking but it is so worthwhile and so cathartic just to actually have someone there un- who cares unconditionally and just helps you work through stuff that you can't work through by yourself.
0: Yeah, uh, sometimes we're brought up to be like you solve your problems, you fix everything, it's all on you to survive this crazy world and that is just so far from the truth, it's not funny. And I yeah. think, yeah, like I think, I guess today's day and age, a lot of people think self-care. I mean, you think of self-care and especially social social media and how they portray it as like having a bath or watching some TV, doing online shopping. And it's like, oh, that is like, yeah, I get that feels nice, but that's going to feel nice for a little bit. It's not going to break down all the, I guess, like struggles and battles you're going on through your head. Whereas speaking out, that's you. That's the stuff you've got to debunk because then you can enjoy the things better. I mean, I remember I used to try and like self care, have a spa, and put that bath bomb in, and I couldn't relax because it's like, oh, this is meant to be self care, but like my head's just spinning. I'm just thinking about all these things. So how is this self care?
1: Exactly. I think there's, like you said, with social media, like on on TikTok, on Instagram, things like that. I think a lot of people are posting stuff without having any backing, like yep. just. Yeah, it's just, it, it is worrying, particularly when it comes to things like mental health, because you can't just stuff around with that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I, th- I think it's great that we are building the, like, there's a lot more people talking about mental health, um, and particularly things like self care and things like that. And in terms of therapy, though, like, I have this saying where, you know, when life gives you lemons, go to therapy. And I think,
0: it's so yes. true. though. Like, Holy shit. I've never heard that before. I love that.
1: I, I feel like I'm in a trade market because feel, I've been telling so many
0: people it's going to be somewhere someday. I'll wear T-shirts with that. That is amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like I've been a huge advocate for you don't have to wait till things are so bad to go and seek help because I think what people don't understand with therapy and with therapists is that they are so good at helping you see things that you you can't see in your tunnel vision. Like even if it's nothing to do with I'm anxious, I'm depressed, I'm experiencing eating disorder, even if it's just you're having difficulty choosing between your next step in your career and it's causing you a bit of stress mm-hmm. speaking to a therapist about that is life-changing because they just help you see things that you wouldn't normally see um they help you also understand what you're feeling about particular things and help you just sort of navigate and I just yeah I've, therapy has honestly for me been life-changing and it's it's a, a process like there's stuff that I'm working on now in therapy that was still present four years ago and I'm still chipping away at it. There's new stuff that's popped up but then there's some stuff that this, you know, if the same trigger had come past two years ago, I would have been an absolute mess. But now it's like, well, I've got the tools to be able to be like, yeah, well, that sucks. Let's move on sort of a thing. So it's it's, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah like foolproofing you're like okay maybe that's not relevant now why are they telling me about this but it's like down the track you're like oh they planted that seed and it's like oh this is where it's relevant definitely yeah 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 exactly yeah and I think that's just so important just highlighting that it doesn't have to reach close to breaking point because I think especially I guess in my experience that breaking point was so close to something um, that could have been just like you know completely worse it never really had to get to that point but it's hard when yeah like we say social media is full of highlight reels we should be happy don't like don't speak about your problems because that's not glamorous that's not what everyone wants to see so it's very tough to navigate and you um kind of I put a post up about um like the importance of seeing some of those early warning signs I guess how you've said you know it's never too early to start therapy or speaking out, um, mm-hmm. speaking to someone you trust about something. So could you just talk about some of those, um, I guess, warning signs or things? I know it's all individualised, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, there are some individual things, but there are also some universal mm-hmm. aspects that of things we're looking out for. So like when we define a mental health problem or issue, right, um, And I'm not talking about a clinical problem here because obviously we can't, I don't even have the authority to diagnose that. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, So when we're talking about mental health problems, we're looking at a major change in thoughts, feelings, behaviors that last for around two weeks or more and um, are disruptive. So they impact on the person's ability to work, study, function, carry out their usual activities. So, regardless of what sort of mental health problem in particular, whether it's anxiety or depression or eating disorders, whatever it is, that's sort of an underlying foundation that you can use as a guide. So if you notice that lately you've been thinking a lot more critically about yourself, you, there's been a change in your thinking, or you haven't been wanting to hang out with your friends, change in behaviour, or you're eating, you're sleeping, your exercise patterns, which maybe you've got a bit of a routine around them has suddenly gone out the window so if you notice those changes in yourself and they're actually they're impacting on your ability to be happy to do the things that you normally do I would say the second that you notice that go and speak to somebody um, it doesn't need to be this big scary thing you know where it's like okay yeah I'm feeling pretty crap but let me just wait till it gets a bit worse yeah. um because, like you were saying, you kind of alluded to it before, Emma. That if you wait until it's really, really bad, it's not impossible to recover from that. But you've just got a more uphill battle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I usually say, as soon as you notice those warning signs, either go and speak to somebody, or if that's if that's not where you're at, access an online support chat group, look into some resources, do a self help program online, like therapists are fantastic, but you may not be ready for them at that point in time. And there's so many other things that you can do as sort of self-help strategies um, before you even see a therapist. So I know like, for example, the head to health website, they've got a whole bunch of like self-help programs for um, I've seen definitely anxiety and not just anxiety disorders, like just feeling stressed, feeling anxious, feeling low, low motivation, feeling depressed, um, concerned about weight, body image. Like they have got self-help programs, online things, websites, chat forums, so many places where you can go to, to seek some intermittent support if you're not quite ready to speak to someone about it. Um mm-hmm. So I guess like in terms of more specific warning signs that your mental health might be declining is things like, yeah, like low mood or motivation, or if there's been a change in your mood or motivation, um, not wanting to go to work, not wanting to hang out with friends or with family, um, not being able to sleep or sleeping too much. Um, if we talk in the context of like body image issues and eating disorders, you know, if you've noticed a lot of anxiety around eating, around exercising. Um, I think in our culture, there is an attempt to normalise dieting and excessive exercising and fasting and all this stuff. It's not normal. Like I I can't can't say this enough to people. It is not normal. Our bodies are not designed for fasts and diets and extreme diets and exercising and all that Sorry, extreme exercising. They didn't point yeah. that out. Yeah. Um, our bodies aren't designed for that, but we're told otherwise. And it's just such, excuse my language, it's such bullshit. Like,
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I know you definitely talk about that a lot, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think that's the thing. It's like, it's not like we're saying exercise is bad. Like, we're not, like, movement is great, but it's just when it's taken to that extreme. And I think, A lot of the time people promote stuff as balanced and mindful and stuff. When you look into it, it's like, is that balanced? Like, is it really, if that's causing you any anxiety or stress and that just, just gets rid of that whole balance mentality. And it's yeah, that whole, you know, no excuses. You've got to be disciplined. Do you really want it? Like all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, I want to break. I don't want to be keep like being fed this crap. Exactly.
1: And like one of the things that I do when I go out with the Butterfly Foundation and present to high school students, um, we educate them around the fact that the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And so when I present that to, and I recently did it to a group of year 12 girls, and I was like, what does it tell you if the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry? And they're like, oh, like, yeah, people are buying a lot. People are buying into it. I'm like, yeah, so we're being sold the idea that we need to do X, Y, Z to achieve a certain look, to achieve a certain body, whatever. But then I was like, how does a business stay in business? It needs to have customers coming in, but also needs to have repeat customers coming in. it
0: worked, why is it worth so much like it is
1: now? Yeah, exactly. And if it worked, why are there so many different diets? Because diets do not work, but we are told that if it doesn't work, it's up. It's because of us. It's our lack of disability. Exactly. And I think it was definitely, that program was actually really touching for me because I could see that there were a few girls in that group in particular that were probably really struggling with this at the moment. And it was just a bit of a light bulb moment of like, yeah, like this is actually... Crap, like we don't need to adhere to this. Yeah. Um, and I know that's gone a bit of a tangent off. You asked about warning signs, and we've oh, just started
0: talking.
1: That tends to happen in my conversations, it always comes back to, bloody I like. Screw
0: diet culture. <laughs> yes. And um, it's, I think that's the thing. Like when you speak to these people, I'm sure it's like, do you think the person who owns that company really gives a shit about your mental health or your emotions or your physical health? They just care that you're gonna fail, fail because of your you, like you haven't done it, you haven't followed it properly. Because if you did, you would have had all of this. But it's like um what I eat in a day when it's like preceded with a body check, it's like, oh my god, oh. Whoa.
1: Yeah, I can't and I can't stand the bloody before and after oh. photos, all that stuff. It's just like, how have we it's how have we allowed that to go on for so many years? And it, it came up actually. Um, so I follow, I don't know how to say her last name. First name Brie, surname Leonard. Oh, like she's
0: really, a fancy really nice. name, so I wouldn't be able to help. <laughs>
1: I'll not find it, but she's up, like, she's phenomenal. So she's this Australian girl um, blown up talking about, you know, the fact that, you know, diet culture is, is stupid. We should love our bodies for what they can do. Like, very, very aligned with our sorts of missions. But she's got, like, I think 300K plus followers. Like, she's doing really well. content.
0: Yeah, I love that that's kind of reached that content because it's not usually the people who what? kind of go viral. Amazing
1: exactly exactly and and she created her and another um another incredible woman that i follow lindy cohen the new nutritionist oh yeah um, she's amazing and and both of them recently put up something where it was like a reel about why people's body image today and particularly particularly females why it is so shit and it had all these snippets of tv commercials newspaper and like magazines like all those stupid, women's weekly who magazine and it
0: better. Like I
1: <laughs> yeah. honestly Emma, i literally remember like sitting at the hair salon or reading mom's magazines of oh my gosh she's 60 kilos wow she's put on weight and like the more that I was seeing all this, even things like as small as our Disney princesses. If you look at the bodies of Disney princesses, if you look at all this stuff that we've grown up with, then it's like, how was this ever approved? How was this ever
0: okay? How do both like parents let their kids watch? So yeah, that whole um, "who wore it better" thing, like as hmm. like. 10 year old, I was literally looking at it and being like, oh yeah, her waist looks smaller. So that obviously must mean it looks better. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, why is that a thing? And now it all makes sense why we're all so not happy with our bodies.
1: Can I trigger Emma a core memory for you? Let's see if you remember this one, because (laughs) I had completely forgotten about this, this particular thing until last week when I got reminded of it in a reel that I think it was Brie that put it up. Do you remember that show, The Biggest Loser?
0: Oh, no. Oh, that was like, I used to watch it so much, but now it's a bane of my existence. <laughs> yes. I remember
1: gathering with my family and we used to watch it and be like, wow, like, yeah, they've worked really
0: hard. Wow, they, they look so, so good. And now it's horrible, absolutely horrible. And there was an um, MTV show. Oh, I can't, it was, I actually think it was called Fat Camp or something like that, but it was yeah. aimed at teenagers who like wanted to fit into a prom dress or something, you know, obviously ridiculous like that. And there were these like celebrity trainers pretty much putting them on a crash diet. And then um, someone, I can't remember who it was, but did a YouTube video about it and spoke to the people on that um, episode years down the track. And they just said pretty much that just like spiraled into an eating disorder and spiraled into just always thinking you have to do this to be healthy. And it's like, oh, my God, this is why we're so messed up.
1: Yeah, honestly and like the research shows that dieting particularly for young females is one of them it is the most significant risk factor for developing an eating disorder like research backs that through and through and it just baffles me that and and i guess this speaks to the fact that you know the diet industry is multi-billion dollar industry as if they're going to ever stop doing what they're doing because they're making money but they are I know it's going to be like a really bland black or white call. Cause obviously it's not that simple, but like they're breeding eating disorders.
0: 100%. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing people think you don't have to have like to have an eating disorder. It has to be diagnosed, yada, yada, yada and it has to fit this kind of criteria. But I guess like, again, the research you look at, I guess the lived experience of those with eating disorders and you can pretty much track it back to dieting or, um, like intergenerational diet culture, family influences and stuff like that. Like it all adds up. It's not just one event that creates an eating disorder or like forms an eating oh, disorder. Yeah. so many. Hundred
1: percent. And I think as well, a lot of people have this idea. And I, I particularly see it when I run my mental health first aid training, because we have an eating disorder section, um, there tends to be this idea in society that it's like eating disorders, you think of that characteristically really anorexic, thin yep. kind of figure, but it's like even those experiencing something like bulimia, right, where it can show up anywhere along the spectrum of body sizes, you may never actually know that a person's experiencing an eating disorder because they don't look like, because they don't have a look, right? Yep. Um, yeah. But the actual behaviors that they're engaging in are are damaging their body yep 100%. And, and they're being praised as being disciplined or being praised as you know and it's just it's a really big issue in society and something that we we all need to just honestly wake up and That's do something about it
0: yeah. you better <laughs> okay. exactly Yeah. And yeah, that's pretty much, yeah, because I've had like disordered eating patterns my whole life, but I did a fitness challenge, lost a heap of weight. Everyone was like, oh, my God, you're so good. Like, I didn't need to lose weight in the first place. I think that's the most ridiculous thing as well. Um, And then, yeah, that spiraled out into um, what manifested as bulimia. No one knew it. Absolutely no one. My partner who I'd lived with didn't know it. It's like, you don't know what's going on. And that's another barrier to reaching out for help that we need to just stop.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the comments that I often come up against in, in opposition to what I'm advocating for is, you know, people say, oh, but like, what if the person wanted to just better themselves? Like, are you now shaming people that want to actually get healthier or look a certain way? And it's like, no. No. <laughs> you, wanna, you do, I don't care if you want to lose 15 kilos and look like whichever celebrity. Like, but it's the fact that, It is so glamorized and so, like, that is our, that's the goal that we are pushed towards. That's the issue that I have, right? If you want to, in private, change your diet from eating McDonald's every day to actually incorporating better food, you want to have a healthier relationship with your body, a healthier relationship with exercise, nothing wrong with bettering yourself in that sense. I think it comes down to what our intention is, you know, behind our intention behind changing our bodies or changing our diet, because we only have one body. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, even for, for, for myself, there are times where I still struggle with my body image because we've grown up in this culture. We're going to keep struggling. Yep. Even if, you know, it's going to be stuff that comes up all the time but hopefully if you go to therapy or if you follow accounts like ours that are doing something different hopefully you're able to bounce back up from those negative thoughts and and lower times but it's always going to be there because that's how we've grown up being conditioned like that right yeah um so it's it's very tricky it is it is like a, a it's a journey it's a very long journey but i think it all starts with the relationship that we have you know, with with our bodies as well, and seeing our bodies as this amazing vehicle that enables us to do things like and, to, and give
0: that was, to love. Oh yes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like it it got to the stage where I was kind of like thinking, you know, I'm sick of feeling like my body exists so that other guys can look at me and think, wow, she's gorgeous. Or so other people can look at me and judge my body. It's like, especially since I started doing like dancing and Zumba instructing and things like that. It's like, I'm so grateful that my body is actually functioning and I'm not ill or I'm not you know i'm actually able to to dance to yeah. bring joy to people to go and visit family to travel to see different parts of it. like i know it sounds really like airy fairy but when you think about it this is what our bodies enable us to do they're yeah. not put yeah. on this planet to impress other people
0: <laughs> yes hundred percent we're not going to like be on our deathbed a bit like morbid there but you know we're not going to be on our deathbed thinking like I'm glad that guy wolf whistled at me Maids told me that my body is good enough. I'm glad that I just, you know, was always at war with my body hating hating it and wanting to change it. Like, we're just going to have regrets. Like, why did I f- put so much of my energy onto that and live this, like, life where I was kind of, you know, had this mask on all the time. My like, life is so short.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, but I think for a lot of people, they need to actually step away from the diet culture and like the glamorization of disordered eating and celebrities and influences you need to take a step away from that to actually realize all of that and that's what's tricky because so many people these days are so enmeshed in that environment that it's tricky to break free a little bit
0: yeah and i'm kind of like just Stick a toe out of it, like don't have to full go deep in it. Just a little toe, or just like your pinky finger. Just put something out. See that there is another way of living instead of just being like I don't want to say a victim of diet culture because I want to give us some kind of empowerment. But it's you know that's at the end of the day we're just living by these unrealistic standards that no one is ever going to meet. Because like you said, I I can't remember. I think it was like 190 billion or something like that. It's like that's it's never going to change. So we have to be the people that change it.
1: Yeah, and especially when you learn as well the fact that for the first time in our history, because there have always been appearance and body ideals, yeah. Um, particularly, and I know males and I know um, like transgender people struggle a lot with this stuff as well. Yeah. But I think as I, I I only know my experience as a female because yeah. I identify as a female, so I can only speak to that experience that we as as women as females have had an abundance of appearance ideals placed on us from the full time right and they've changed like if you look at what was attractive in the 20s the 30s the 70s the 90s to now for the very first time in our history the ideal body can only be achieved fully through surgery for the first time in our history and but it's like the way that influences and celebrities promote it. It's like, no, well, if you're just, if you work hard, if you do this diet, if you do this exercise routine, you achieve this. It. It's like, no, <laughs> it's not possible.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it's so frustrating, so frustrating, but hopefully, yeah, the more we speak about it, the more we can kind of get the good word out and yeah, help people to see that there's a different way to live.
1: Yeah, 100%, Emma, and that's what it comes down to, like people like yourself, people like, you know, those that are listening to this podcast, other people that have an opportunity just to raise awareness, even if it's from you to your friend or you to your daughter or your son or your mum, like it's these one-to-one conversations and obviously the larger ones that emerge outside of that, that it's going to, it will promise, it is going to create change, but we need to have the bravery and the courage to actually have those conversations and the knowledge and the awareness to feel equipped
0: to do so. Definitely. I think that was an amazing way to end it. I was like, Oh I just couldn't have thought to end that. <laughs> I feel like I could have talked forever and ever like, Oh, it's just, yeah. There's so much, I feel like there's so much more to talk about, but I just, yeah, I think that was a great way to kind of nip it off. Um, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your thoughts and experiences. Um, for listeners, where can they find you um, in relation to your mental health training? Um, where you speak, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, so on Instagram, you can find me. My personal page, my personal blog page is mental health with Stella. Um, my business page is Medaki MH Training. So if you go to my personal page first, I've got the link to that page. Um, And then I am on TikTok as well under Mental Health with Stella. So they're kind of the main places where I post educational content. And then obviously I've got my website as well, which is mhtraining.com.au. And that's got all my upcoming courses and all the ways that you can actually um, educate yourself in
0: mental health amazing and i'll add all those links to the bottom of this anyway but yeah thank you so much for jumping on that was incredible and hopefully yeah i'm sure a lot of people resonate with this episode but hopefully it can just be that kind of seed that we've planted for them to do what's best for them in the long run awesome thank you so much for having me emma it was so great yes. and thanks guys for listening i hope you guys have a good rest of your day